Hey, this morning, I want to just wish all the dads a happy Father's Day. Uh, this morning, we have a gift for you after service this morning, so uh, be sure to see me today. We want to we want to put something in your hands and and just tell tell you thank you uh, for all that you do uh, for your your kids for our church family. Uh, we're just honored uh, to honor you this this morning. We're going to receive our offering at, at the end of service. Give an update about the. Uh, about where we're at in the remodel. I know everybody's excited about that as well. Uh, but I want to jump in this morning to the message today. Infrastructure, if you, if, you, uh, if you turn on CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, that's a buzzword that's happening right now in our society. And, and why is infrastructure so important? What is infrastructure? Infrastructure, basically, it's the underlying foundation or basic framework for anything, for an organization, for a country. That's what's being debated right now on a larger scale. But even for a church, and and even for you as an individual. And so if you drive down I-30 right now towards Dallas, you will notice that there's major construction happening at the I-30 and 365 interchange. Why is it happening? Are, are, are the bridges falling down? I mean, I think Sasha, she, she uh, thinks every time we go on one of those overpasses like that, that it's going to fall down. And so I do the little Six Flags thing, you know, like when you're going up a roller coaster. She hates when I do that as we're going up there. But, you know, it's just, it's just one of those things. It feels like you're know, going on a roller coaster. Those bridges aren't falling down. There, there's nothing wrong with them. But plain and simple, the infrastructure there can no longer handle the traffic. If you, if you drive in, uh, you know, six, seven, eight months ago before they really started that construction, you, you were always going to be backed up. And so what they're trying to do is find a way to alleviate the, the traffic flow there. That's part of the community's infrastructure. So a new interchange is going to be built there that will able to hopefully sustain the, the traffic. And we'll see it probably in the year 2028, something like that, when they finally get finished with it. Well... I'm not here to talk about roads, even though we're kind of using uh, the idea on on our graphics and our screens uh, of of an interchange of infrastructure, and then I'm not here to talk about that. But what I want to talk to you about is how does this apply to our life of faith? We need a solid foundation, a solid framework, a solid infrastructure, if you will, to build our Christian life on. We need something that later on that we can drive on, right? That we can put our our, our beliefs into action. And so that's why this summer we're we're doing a study on the book of Ephesians because Paul wrote this book to the church at Ephesians and and most scholars believe that it wasn't just meant uh, for for the church at Ephesus because what what they would do is uh, he would preach this message or write this message or this letter, this epistle, if you will, and he would send it to the church at Ephesus, but he fully intended for them to share it with other churches that were around and other believers that were around in that day so that they could build their faith. And so if you look at Ephesians, basically what you're seeing is a a framework, but then he teaches us later on how to put faith into action. If you look at Ephesians 1.15, it says, ever since I first heard of you, of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere. I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly asking God, the glorious father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you may grow 
in your knowledge of God. And he says, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. So this is Paul's prayer. Paul's prayer for you. Paul's prayer for for the church at Ephesus and now for us was simply this, that we would grow in wisdom and insight so that we could grow in our faith and we could put our faith into action. So if you look at the uh, first half of Ephesians, basically what he deals with is some knowledge and some understanding side of things. He's giving us an infrastructure, if you will, a foundation to the life of faith. The second half then deals with putting that knowledge into practice. So what we've done is we're going to study the whole book of Ephesians, but we, you know, to call the whole thing infrastructure would be a little weird because only the first half deals with it. So the first, the first half we're calling infrastructure. The second half we're going to teach you to drive. And we're gonna we're gonna learn how how to how to how to drive and and uh, and and so yeah Jared you want to be in that video and I'll, I'll go teach you how to drive we could work on that uh, together Lord Jesus help me all and uh, but this this first series is dealing with the infrastructure it's laying the groundwork for a life of faith so today we're looking at what I'm calling the spiritual blessings of the Trinity look at Ephesians one verse one. Through 14. says, this letter is from Paul. We know Paul wrote that. Chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. He says, I'm writing to God's holy people in Ephesus who are faithful followers of Christ Jesus. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. And this is what he wanted to do. And it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered us or showered his kindness on us along with his with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. And and this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ. Everything in heaven and on earth. Everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance and he makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that we Jews who were the first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. And the Spirit is God's guarantee that He will give us the inheritance He promised and that He has purchased us to be His own people. He did this so that we would praise and glorify Him. So as we look through this particular passage of Scripture, we see the entire Trinity at work. You see God the Father. You see God the Son. Jesus, you see the Holy Spirit at work. And so one of the fundamental truths of the Assemblies of God, the, the uh, fellowship that we're a part of, the cooperative fellowship that we're a part of, deals with this doctrine. We believe in what we call the one true God. 
In fact, it says that the one true God has revealed himself as the eternal self-existent I am, the creator of heaven and earth, and the redeemer of mankind. He has further revealed himself as embodying the principles of relationship and association as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So this passage is dealing then with the blessings of the Trinity that we have based on those unique attributes, if you will, of each distinction. So here's some blessings from God the Father. Right? If you want to write this in your notes, you want to follow along at ConnectedHope.com and click the Bible app, it's all there. But the first one is this, is that we are chosen. He said in verse 4, Even before He made the world, God loved us and He did what? Everybody say, chose. He chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault. Thank you, Tisha, for sending me the pictures of everybody. And it, it, my, for some reason today, it just it popped up on my iPhone, and all the it, I lost my notes for a second. So no, it's good. Good. I, normally, it goes to my phone. I don't know why it popped up on my iPhone today uh, or my iPad today. That's so weird. Uh, everybody say we are chosen. Okay, pastor's distracted today. That's okay. We have squirrel, big time squirrel today. Some days my squirrel is a little bit more intuitive than the others. It's working overtime this morning. This is the doctrine. This is called the doctrine of election. What what is election? Election is very confu- uh, is a very confusing doctrine for some people. It also gives us a feeling that we we don't have a choice in our salvation, but we know that that's not the case. Donald Stamps, if you have the Fire Bible, which is a great uh, resource uh, to have, he has a great article in there on on election and predestination. In it, he compares election and predestination as a a great ship that's on its way to heaven. The ship is the church. It's the body of Christ, and it is, a, it is a chosen by God to be his own vessel. Now, Christ is the captain and the pilot of the ship, and all who desire to be a part of this elect ship and its captain can do so through a living faith in Christ by which they come on board the ship. So as long as they are in the ship, in company with the ship's captain, they are among the elect. If they choose to abandon the ship and captain, they cease to be part of the elect. So election is always only in union with the captain, Jesus, and the ship, the body of Christ. So we are chosen by God. The second thing there, and we're going to go quick through this this morning because there's a lot of them, is that we're adopted. Everybody say adopted. Verse 5, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. That is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. This is where we encounter the doctrine of predestination. Predestination means to decide beforehand. So it applies to God's purposes that are understood then in election. You know, uh, election is God's choice in Christ of, of a people, the true church, for himself. So here's what predestination does. It comprehends what will happen to God's people, all believers in Christ. So God predestines the elect, those who are chosen to be on the ship, that are called, that are justified, that are glorified, that are conformed to the likeness of His Son, that are holy and blameless. He's called them, He's adopted them as His children, redeemed, recipients of an inheritance for the praise of His glory. So predestination like election refers to the corporate body of Christ 
rather than individuals. Now, here's where we get weird on this doctrine at times. Some people would, would think that that's, that's something that he's talking about, individuals, like, you know, that, you know, Joey can go to heaven, but Garrett can't. You know, or this person that God's chosen this person and God's not chosen that person and God's adopted this person. That's not what we're talking about. What he's saying is in the body of Christ that he's predestined the entire body. And it's your choice whether to get on the ship or not. It's your choice whether to be a part of the family of God, to be adopted in, if you will. It's so cute when you see somebody, uh, you know, who gets married and, 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 and maybe they have a kid either from a previous marriage or, or they, they had a, a child. And then the, the father, we're celebrating Father's Day, will ask the little girl or the little boy, you know, hey, can I marry your mom? And, and, and what he's saying is, can I adopt you? Can you become a part of my family? Can you come into my family? And so what God has done is he's given us the choice whether we're a part of his family or not. But he's predestined the whole family to go and spend eternity with him in heaven. So individuals only come in association with the body by what? By living faith. By having faith in Christ. So going back again to the analogy of our ship, predestination tells us about the ship's destination. It lets us know where the ship's going. When you get on an airplane, you have a, a destination. You know that this ticket is going to take you to a certain place at a certain time, hopefully. Key word is hopefully. But with God, we understand that when we're part of the body of Christ, guess what happens? We're predestined to spend eternity with him in heaven. So when God invites everybody to come on board the elect ship, through faith in Jesus Christ. Wearsby describes this adoption. He says, Adoption is the act of God by which he gives his born ones an adult standing in the family. Why does he do this? So that we might immediately begin to claim our inheritance and enjoy our spiritual wealth. The blessing. So we share in the, in the inheritance. Now, but the full rights come when Christ returns. Romans 8.22, For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. Come on, those of you who have creaks, aches, and pains, come on, I'm excited for that transformed body someday, that new, that new body, that glorified body, because I ain't going to have to experience these aches and pains when walking around and all of a sudden this old right Achilles is hurting me and sore because I've, I've spent time walking. You know what I'm talking about. I'm looking forward to that full inheritance, spending eternity with him in, in heaven. Well, the next thing I want you to see is that not only are we called, this is the blessings of God the Father. Called, adopted, but we're also accepted. He said, so we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. It's because of God's grace that we're accepted. The King James Version of the Bible actually uses the word accepted instead of belong here. So it, there, there's a meaning there that, that we belong, that we're, we're accepted. When you belong to a family, I, I've got children, and this is Father's Day, you know. But I accept them into my home. I accept them as a part of my family. They belong to me. 
doesn't mean that you have to agree with everything that they do. There may be choices that they make along the way that, that you don't agree with. There may be styles of clothes that they wear that you, you don't like. There may be teams that they root for that you don't necessarily agree with. You may have disagreements at times over different things, but they belong. They're loved. They're accepted. They're chosen. They're part of the family. So let's move on to the blessings from the Son. This is great because we are redeemed. That's for the first one. He says he, in verse 7, he is so rich in kindness and grace that he did what? He purchased our freedom with the blood of his son. He purchased our freedom. So to redeem is to purchase and set free by paying a price. In the Roman Empire, there were 60 million slaves. 60 million slaves. They were bought and they were sold like they were pieces of furniture. However, a man could purchase a slave and and he could set them free. He could purchase a slave and set them free. He could say, I, I, I'm buying this one, this slave. Now you are free. You're free. And if you look in the scripture, in, in the Old Testament, there was a, a process for, for releasing a slave. There was a way to release a slave. And so this is what Jesus did for us. He bought us with a price. 1 Peter 1.18 says, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors, and it was not paid with mere gold or silver which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. So he redeemed us. He said, listen, you are no longer a slave. You're no longer a slave. You are free. You have been set free. Listen, we grew up in Texas and understand the significance of Juneteenth. It's amazing now that the national uh, audience has finally uh, decided to celebrate a Texas holiday. I don't know if if, if you've thought that this week. I just thought it was ironic that we've had this state holiday for a long time called Juneteenth. And it was all about the the releasing of the slaves. That slaves were released. And and listen, they'd already been released months ago. But because of the media of the day and how slow things are, finally it it gets down to Galveston, Texans on on June 19th uh, on a certain year. And all of a sudden they're they're notified that you've been set free. Well, let me tell you something. There are Christians that are still walking around enslaved to sin because they don't realize that they've already been redeemed. They've already been set free. You don't have to. You have been bought with a price. Let me tell you something, friend. I have good news for you today. You have been set free. The chains are gone oh come on my chains are gone I've been set free we don't have to live in bondage anymore because the price has already been paid this is the blessing of God this is a foundation to our infrastructure that we need to know that God has bought us with a price the precious blood of his son Jesus and we have been redeemed not only have we been redeemed but we've been forgiven Oh, you know, some of us have messed up. We've done some things that we're not proud of. And if we said, you know, I, I, I always was afraid when I was younger that when we got to heaven, there would be like this VCR, you know, you know, because come on, I'm somebody, I'm a little bit older than, than that. And I remember you have VCR tape that, that God would put in and it would be my whole life and everybody, my mom and everybody, my dad would all see it. Everybody on my friends would see it. I always tell my friends, we talk about it now uh, a days, that we are so glad that these things were not out when we were kids. I may not be your pastor today, I'm just telling you. 
Not proud of some of the shenanigans that, that, that some of us pulled, whether it was in high school or in junior high or in Bible college and, and, and some of those things. Not proud of those moments, but, you know, we had a good time. But not proud of those things. But, you know, some of you did some things that were far worse than what I did. The word forgive means to carry away. In the, in the Old Testament on the Jewish Day of Atonement, the high priest would send a scapegoat into the wilderness. They would take two goats, they would kill one, and they would sprinkle its blood before God on the mercy seat. Then what he would do is he would confess Israel's sin, sins over the live goat and have that goat taken in the wilderness to be lost. Christ died to carry away our sins so that they would never be seen again. John 1, 29, the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who does what? Takes away the sins of the world. This needs to be a part of our infrastructure mentality that we're forgiven. Some of you are still beating yourself up for things that you did before you gave your heart to Jesus Christ. You're reminded of the times that you did this or you did that or you stole or you did this or you did that or you gossiped or whatever your, the sin was and you're reminded of those failures over and over by the enemy. And listen, you need to realize that you need to build your life on this one fact that God has already forgiven you for that. Once you put it under the blood, once you prayed and you sent it, he took the scapegoat and he said, here you go, Jesus, here's all their sins and you're going to take it away. And guess what the scripture says? He casts it as far away as the east is from the west. Listen, the east never connects to the west. It keeps going and keeps going and keeps going. There's no connection because God wants you to understand something. You are forgiven. That sin is not meant to be carried again by you. It's meant to be released. You are forgiven. So why do we carry what we weren't meant to carry? Jesus carried our sin. We need to let it go and realize that we're forgiven. The next thing I want you to see, this I'm telling you, we could make a message out of each one of these. This is so good. This is building our life, our infrastructure, laying the groundwork for a life of faith. That we're a part of God's plan. We're a part of God's plan. Look at verse 8 and 10. He has revealed God's will, his plan to us. Look at verse 8. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Mysterious means a, a sacred secret. One hidden but now revealed to God's people. And my, my wife likes to watch those Hallmarks um, movies and mysteries uh, things, you know. And, and, you know, they are all the same. Somebody gets murdered at the beginning and, you know, uh, and then somebody, uh, and then they find out who the murderer is by the end. But then there's a love story in the middle of it, you know, uh, that takes place. And then, the, you know, somebody who's not a cop or not a detective or not somebody all of a sudden now is like uh, in love with the sheriff or the detective or whoever it is. You know, it happens every Hallmarks. And so that, 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 you know, that's not a mystery. I'm just telling you. I know I just ruined it for you all, uh, you know, but it's not a mystery. But at the beginning, it is. Who did, who did it? There's a mystery there. There's something mysterious about it. This mystery is simply this. Ever since sin entered the world, things have been falling apart. Man was separated from God. 
Man was separated from man when Cain killed Abel. People tried to unify. They tried to come together. They tried to build the Tower of Babel. But what happened? God scattered them, changed and confused their languages. God called Abraham. He made a distinction between Jews and Gentiles. That difference was maintained until Christ's death on the cross. Wearsby writes this. He says, sin is tearing everything apart, but in Christ, God will gather everything together in the culmination of the ages. We are a part of this great eternal plan, this bringing together, this great eternal program, bringing back together what has been separated all along. God is bringing his people. He's uniting them on the ship, if you will. He's bringing them back together, and we get to be a part of that amazing, mysterious plan. The world doesn't understand it, but God has a plan and a purpose that we get to be a part of it. The other thing is, is that we have an inheritance. If you look at verse 11, he says, Because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. And God's purpose was that we Jews who were the first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. So this goes back to the fact that God chose us. And so when he chose us, he gave us an inheritance. When he chose us, he, he brought us into the family. He gave us an inheritance. He said, this is, this is yours. I choose you now. You're a part of my family. If you look at Romans 8, 15, he says, so you, may, you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. If you're, not, if you're a son, you shouldn't be a, a, a daughter. You shouldn't be a fearful slave. He said, instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba. Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. So what he's saying is this, is you're not just, you're, you're not just, this is not some kind of religious experience. This is a relationship. This is not out of duty. This is out of relationship. You are my child, and I have given you an inheritance. And you are my son. You are my daughter, and I have given you inheritance. This is why so many churches around the nation today are, are singing Good, Good Father, because we're celebrating Father's Day, and, and we're celebrating that relationship up first and foremost to God, our Father. He is our father. He is our Abba. He's our dad. And there's a relationship status in there. And because there's a relationship status in there, we have an inheritance with him. You know, I, I, don't, have, I, I don't have slaves. I hope I, in, in our modern day, we don't have slaves. We, we might have employees. We have, I have people that we work with. When I, when I pass away, I, I love Pastor Ben. I love Pastor Zach. I love Pastor Keith. But I'm not leaving them an inheritance. Why? Because that goes to my kids. Are y'all shocked about that? Y'all look at me all judgmental like, I can't believe you wouldn't. No, I'm not leaving them my inheritance. They need to work. They need to get a job. You know why? They have fathers that leaves them inheritance. They have somebody that should be leaving them something. But when I leave this world, I'm passing on what I have to my kids, to my daughter. But guess what God's saying? I've given you an inheritance, all of you. I, you're all my children. You, I've adopted you, and I've grafted you into the vine. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. Okay, so let's move on. Pastor Ben, I love you. I love you. You're my spiritual son, but, you know, I'll give you a spiritual inheritance, but not. Uh, <laughs> blessings from God, the Holy Spirit. 
We are sealed. We are sealed. So what does that mean? Look at verse 13. And now you Gentiles. Okay, so he, he shifted. He was talking to the Jews. Now he's talking to the Gentiles. He's letting them know you're all on the same playing field. You have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you what? The Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. In the modern English version, it says, In him you also, after hearing the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and after believing in him, you were sealed, sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So the scripture gives us this process for salvation. You hear, the Gentiles heard the truth. The truth, that was the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then they believed. It is by grace that we are saved through faith, right? So when they believed, what happened? They were sealed by the Spirit. What is the significance of a seal? First, it, it, it speaks of a finished transaction. If you've ever uh, sold property or something, there, there's some kind of legal stamp that, that takes place there. There's some kind of seal to let this know that this is an official document. When, when, uh, when our graduates graduated a few weeks ago, they put some kind of seal on, on their diploma letting them know that this is an official document. This is a legal document. It speaks of a finished transaction. Second, it implies ownership. So God purchased us, remember we talked about it earlier, with the blood of his son. 1 Corinthians six nineteen says, Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. So it's implying ownership. So he has sealed us by the Holy Spirit. It's a finished transaction. He's sealed us by the Holy Spirit. It, it, it implies that we, we belong to God. We've been bought with a price. But the, the seal also implies security and implies protection. In Matthew 27, the Romans put their seal on Jesus' tomb to secure it and to protect it, right? A couple of weeks ago, I stayed at the Hampton Inn in Waxahachie for our district council. How many of you have traveled post-COVID? Anybody? Uh, one or two. Okay, so if you stay in a hotel post-COVID, here's what's happening right now. When you walk up to the hotel room in, at, at the Hampton Inn, there is a sticker now that's on the door. It's perforated right there, and so they, what they're doing is they're putting a seal on it. And so now when you open the door, that seal lets you know that it, the room has been clean, it's been sanitized, that there has been no one that has come into that room since the cleaning person came in to secure your room, to sanitize it, and to clean it. It's a sign of security and protection. As believers, we are safe and we're protected because we are part of a finished transaction. God is saying, listen, you're secure. You don't have to worry about it. You're protected as long as you stay on the ship. As long as you stay on the ship. Now, it's your choice. we got a free will to jump off the ship at any moment. But guess what? As long as you're on the ship, you don't have to worry about somebody coming and snatching you away. You don't have to worry about falling in and falling out. you just got to stay on the ship. you just got to keep believing and keep seeking the Lord and keep having a relationship with Abba Father. But the seal is also a mark of authenticity. A seal shows that a, a document or, or something is legal. When you, when you have a seal on it, it is authentic. Now, now, 
some of you guys know this, that I've begun to, to collect. I have quite a record collection now. For you young people, that's like a CD, but much bigger. And you have to have this little turn. And, you know, they know, they know because it's a, it, it's a cool thing now for, for you to have vinyl records. In fact, you go back into Target or Walmart now, they, they have vinyl record sections again, just like they did back in the 80s. You know, it's, it's, it's such a flashback. So I go a couple of weeks ago, I'm, I'm in the Metroplex, you know, and, and I, I have some time. So I sneak over to this record shop that I, uh, ben and I, Ben's friend and my friend Shabby has been telling me about. It's incredible. It's a step back in time. You walk in and there's records everywhere. There's cassettes. There's even eight tracks. And, and they're all over the place. And it, it, I mean, I could spend literally three days in there looking at every Every record, every, I mean, it was so mad, but I had just limited time, so I kind of, I found the things, and so I bought a couple of records that day, because I have an issue, I spent too much money on records, and in fact, I told Ben this morning, hey, I need, I may need you to go by my house and check to make sure, you know, if I'm, I'm going to be out of town for a few days, I, I need you to go by and check and, and make sure no records are delivered while I'm gone, uh, because I have, I have, uh, I have, you know, uh, habit and uh, I guess it could be worse than that you know uh, but one of, one of the records I bought at that record shop had a promotional stamp on it which makes it more valuable by the way it's a, a gold seal and it was actually numbered credible it let me know that this originally was not meant to be sold in a record store it was only for promotional purposes. They would send them to the radio stations. They would send them to, uh, you know, A&R people. They would send them to uh, bookstores, you know, to let the bookstores uh, play them or the music stores play uh, the record so that uh, their, comp- their customers would want to buy it. And it was just a, a neat way for them to do that. And so it showed the authenticity of the original. The presence of the Holy Spirit and its work in our lives shows the authenticity of our relationship with God. The fruit of the Spirit in our lives shows that we're really what we say we are. That we're really followers of Jesus Christ because we're uh, showing the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the goodness, the kindness, the gentleness, the self-control. Romans 8, 9 says, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You're controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. So one of the other blessings of the Holy Spirit then is not only that it's a seal, but it's a guarantee. He said in verse 14, the Spirit is God's guarantee that He will give us the inheritance. Okay, So He's given us the Holy Spirit ahead of time, and He's saying, listen, here's the guarantee that later on you're going to get the promised inheritance, and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so that we would praise and glorify him. So we can come in and worship the Lord because we know that he has guaranteed that he is coming back for us someday, that he's going to give us the inheritance that he has promised. The King James Version uses the word earnest instead of guarantee. Now, if you've sold a house, you understand that people put down earnest money when they're ready to buy your house. And if, if they choose not to buy your house, as long as there's not something, you know, on your side of things, you, you get to keep that earnest money. I, I love when that, ha- you know, with, when that would happen, you know. Uh, I'll let you pay, pay me 500 bucks for not uh, buying my house. That'd be great. I'd prefer you buy it, but, you know, I'll take it. So earnest in the days of Paul is the same as it was today. It's a down payment. It's a guarantee for the final purchase. The Holy Spirit then is our earnest. It's our guarantee. It's God's way of saying, listen, I'm going to complete the work. 
and eventually bring us into his glory. Donald Stamps writes this. He says, in this age, the Holy Spirit is given to believers as a down payment on what we're going to have in greater fullness in the future. His presence and work in our lives is a pledge of our future inheritance. 2 Corinthians 1, 21 through 22 says, It is God who enables us, along with you, to stand firm for Christ. He has commissioned us and he has identified us as his own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts as the first installment that guarantees everything he has promised us. Let's pray today. Father, thank you for your word. We thank you that it's a lamp to our feet, it's a light to our path. God, I ask this morning that you would open up our hearts and our minds to experience everything that we have, everything you have for us. God, the inheritance that we have now and the inheritance that we're going to have in the future because you've chosen us, you've adopted us, you have uh, redeemed us, you've forgiven us, and you have sealed us, God, and you've given us a great plan. Lord, I ask this morning that you would just Help us to remember who we are in you. Your son, your daughter, your child. Maybe you're in this room this morning and you don't know the Lord is your personal Savior. Or maybe you've gotten off the ship. To use that analogy again, maybe you've gotten off the ship a little bit. Listen, my friend, let me tell you that God loves you so much. He bought, he purchased your freedom with the blood of his son. But you have a choice in the matter. It is by grace you have been saved through faith. It's a gift of God. It's a gift of God, but you've got to choose that gift. So this morning I'm going to pray a prayer together. I'm going to ask you to repeat that prayer after me. And I believe whether you're watching online this morning or you're in this room today, that if you'll pray this prayer and mean it in your heart, that you'll be saved. Come on, church, would you repeat this after me with those that are going to baby pray it for the first time or the first time in a long time. Would you say, Dear Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. I believe you're the Son of God. That you died, rose again, and you're the Lord of all. Thank you for saving me today. Thank you for setting me free. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can we put our hands together and give God praise? Listen, if, this is, if you're getting back on the ship for the first time in a long time or maybe for the first time ever you're getting on the ship, let me encourage you today. Come find me after service today. I want to talk to you. I want to encourage you in your life of faith. I want to help you on your journey because I believe that God has something so important and amazing for you in your life today. Church, we always need to be reminded of the blessings of the Father the blessings of the Son, and the blessings of the Holy Spirit. Because it's these blessings that are foundational principles that we build our life of faith on. That we, it's the infrastructure that we drive on. And so what I want you to do this morning is I want you to stand to your feet today. I want you to give God glory and praise today as we, as our team worships and lead you in worship this morning, I want you to give God your best today. If you need a blessing from the Father, this morning I want you to ask Him as we declare this blessing over you today. Come on, church. Would you just take a moment right now, lift up your voice and give Him praise. Before we begin to lead lead you in worship today, would you take a moment and just give Him praise. Father, we worship
alone are worthy. You alone are worthy, Jesus. We bless your name in this house this morning, God. We thank you today for who you are, for who you are. God, we worship and adore you this morning, Father. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. We give you praise. We give you praise. Thank you, Jesus. Sing this with me. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. Be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you. I'll sing that again. The Lord bless you. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. Be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you.
and generations and your family and your children and your children and their children may his presence go before you and behind you and beside you all around you Receive that this morning. Receive that blessing this morning. God, we thank you, Lord, for the blessings of the Father, for the blessings of the Son, for the blessings of the Spirit. Lord, we worship you. you Lord you know as a priestly blessing it's a it's a prayer that I pray over you most every Sunday that the Lord bless you and keep you make his face shine upon you be gracious to you and give you peace and sometimes it's just a good thing to be reminded of the blessings of the father come on how many of you your dad's reminded you of the blessings of the house I I I, I do that I'm guilty of that. that. That's my car. That's my phone. That's my, you know what I'm talking about? That, that, those things I, I have blessed you with. I've given you the re- reason you live in this house. The re- you know, I can take you out. You know, you know, come on. Some of you, your dad's had, I brought you into this world. I can take you out. You know, I'm talking, you, you've had that conversation before. But it's good to be reminded of the blessings. You may be seated this morning. The blessings of God, the blessings of the Father, the blessings of the Son. So when you start feeling, when you start kind of feeling like, man, nobody cares about me. I'm, I'm feeling depressed, feeling anxious, feeling all these things. You just need to remember who you are in Christ. You need to remember what God has done. You need to go back and read Ephesians 1. verse. Listen, this is just the first 14 verses. We got a lot more to go. 
God's got some amazing things planned for you. And listen, I want to encourage you this morning. Receive his blessing. Receive that blessing today. Thank you, Lord, for speaking life to us this morning, for encouraging us through your word. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Well, this morning, I, w- I want to just take a moment again, thank our guests for tuning in, uh, and you as well. Please, connectedhope.com. Uh, on July the 3rd, that's uh, the day, I know it's the day before July 4th, but, you know, this is the way things happen. Our, our plan, in, in just a moment, I'll tell you our plans to be back in the building on July 4th. Uh, you know, praise God. Amen. Excited? Yeah, you can give God praise for that. So... But it may be July 11th, it may be July 18th, it may be July, it may be September 30th or whenever, I don't know. Uh, I'm just throwing out dates now. You know, we're getting there when we get, it's looking real good though. So I think you, we feel confident, uh, you know, some, some, uh, we feel confident. I'll say this, I think Bradley and I wake up some mornings and, and we're confident and, and are, are un, not confident and by the time, uh, that afternoon comes, we're confident again that, you know, enough work has happened that day, uh, that, that, that things are, are on pace. The sanctuary is looking good so far, uh, the men's bathroom and some different things. So we feel confident we'll be back there, but July 3rd, we're going to have a work day just that morning, eight to noon, uh, to kind of help us out a little bit. We have some trees, some limbs that have fallen and some limbs that need to be trimmed at the church. We want it to look nice, as nice as we can get it on the outside as well as on the inside. There may be some things that we need to shuffle and move around and just kind of wrap up and get ready. Our, our plan is to, you know, have as much of that as we can, but we, we could use some help that morning and we'll work uh, eight. We'll cut it off at noon if we need to. If we need to cut it off earlier because we're finished, we'll, we'll do that. Uh, the more help we can get, the better. Amen? And uh, I know that that's July 4th weekend. Some of you may be out of town, and I get that. We understand that. But if you're in town and you can help, please uh, fill that out on the connection card. Let me just kind of give you an update so you know lots of progress was made this week. I think this was a very productive week. 90% of the flooring is complete. There's just a few more things that need to be done. The sanctuary stage is about uh, about the only thing in the sanctuary as far as flooring is concerned. Uh, and then there's a couple of finishing touches throughout the building that's left to do at that point really we're down to getting the bathroom set reset because uh, you know we can't have church if we don't have a bathroom I mean it's just you know that's just a practical thing you know we got a bathroom here we if we don't have one there so we're hoping that this week that some of that stuff is is heading in the right direction we you know waited for this and waited for that to be done so that we could get to this point and that point and so we've just got a few things countertops is maybe one thing that you could uh, pray about that, that we that might could slow us down, but we think that that uh, we've been told anyway that we can get we can get those uh, installed uh, before the fourth. So we're pretty confident that we'll be back in our building on July fourth. So we're going to let you know more for sure next week. Again, as always, you want to uh, you want to keep uh, tabs on us through social media through the tech service. I, I will tell you this. It's not going to be 100% finished when you come back, okay? We're coming back. There'll still be a few things left to do. The cabinetry in a couple of the conference rooms that, that we're going to do, there won't be ready. But 
that doesn't mean we can't have church in the facility. My office won't be finished, but that means that doesn't mean we can't have, I'm not keeping us here because my office is not finished, okay? Uh, the cabinetry, we're waiting on the cabinet guy to come in and do that. Most of it's done, the flooring and the painting and a lot of that has been able to do. Uh, the shortage of materials is really what has put our cabinet maker behind a little bit. And so, but uh, I've got some good news for you. Everybody like great news? You want good news? Uh, as, uh, as many of you know, uh, the, the church purchased the light blue chairs that we've had uh, about eight years ago from a church in Louisiana. We purchased those for $900. They were used chairs. They weren't brand new. Uh, and the church purchased those for $900. Those church when, uh, chairs, when they original uh, retailed, retailed for uh, quite a bit more than that. Uh, you know, the, probably about 60 bucks a chair, to be honest with you. And, and, um, but they were worn. They, there were stains and there were holes that were starting to get in, into some of those. And, and so we wanted uh, to upgrade the, and, and have the same chairs. If you've been to our Winsboro campus, we wanted to buy the same exact chairs that we have over there. And so we have bought new chairs. Isn't that awesome? Come on. Yeah, you can give God praise for that. That is so good. So in doing so, we were able to sell our existing chairs uh, that we bought for $900 like eight years ago for $700. And so that, that's awesome. Not bad for renting uh, those chairs for $200 for eight years, right? That's a pretty good deal. And so Pastor Rudy from Templo, Jerusalem, Assemblias de Dios in Brownsville, Texas, brought one of his men, and they came up, and they strapped those chairs down with 150 straps. I mean, that, I, I went over and shook the, the trailer, and like I shook the chairs on the trailer. I said, boys, these things are not going to move. If one strap breaks, they've got enough straps on those that those chairs were not going to move, and uh, they picked them up this week and and uh it's it was awesome now i've given you the good news now let me tell you the fixer upper moment you know there's always that show and when home improvement you get the fixer upper moment well the fixer upper moment was after ordering the chairs and selling the chairs to pastor rudy uh our chair company notified me and said uh, hey pastor uh just want you to know it's going to be mid-september to the end of october before we can get you your new chairs so what are we going to do? You guys are going to have to sit on the floor. Okay. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Listen, we've got plenty of chairs around the place, and I know that these uh, folding chairs are not the most comfortable to sit in, so we're going to try to get something that's a, a little bit more comfortable for you guys uh, in there. We're working on that plan, and by July 4th, we'll have a plan in place. We have some, some padded chairs that are around the facility that we can use, but I just want to have you, you to have it in your mind when you walk in and you see some chairs those are not going to be the chairs that are going to be there in six months they, they may be the chairs for the next two to three months and we're hoping and praying that maybe they can get them to us quicker I've I've, I've asked and, and and begged and pleaded and, and done everything I can but we're going to have a place for you to seat it's going to be comfortable and we're going to do our best to help you out uh, for until our new chairs come in and so we're excited, but we may have to have we may have to have a few uh, folding chairs, and so we'll put the fat, padded, comfortable chairs up front uh, for the seat. And for those of you who like to sit in the back, you you know uh, that's just a way to encourage you to move on up. Yeah, <laughs> y'all love me, say Amen. So the, again, we're, we're going to give you the best uh, that we can we can give you. But I, I tell you, anybody that's walked into that facility, it is not the same place. 
It looks absolutely amazing, and the work of Bradley and Colonial Construction—they've been awesome to work with, and all their con- all their subs that they brought out. I've just enjoyed being around them and uh, and having a good time uh, with them. And so we're 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 excited about where this is headed. So yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a good good thing. So uh, we'll have a lot to do. Please, if you're not signed up for the text. Text the word HOPE to 903-300-1994 because the next few weeks is going to be important. If we need to stay over here for one more week on July 4th, we'll need to get that word out to you just to let you know. But our plan is to be here, SSES, next Sunday, and then back home at 434 Jefferson Street East on July the 4th. I want to say one more time thank you to our dads. Happy Father's Day to you. At, at the end of the service, I'm going to step out here in a minute. We're, we've got a special gift that we want to give to you today as you leave service. Uh, and so I, I just want to say thank you to all our, our dads out there. Can we give them a big round of applause today? Yeah. I also want to thank you as a church for your continued faithfulness in giving. Let's read this in Psalm this week in 37 verse 21. It says, The wicked borrow and never repay. But the godly are generous givers. I love that. The godly are generous givers. And, and I started thinking about that, that we're really a church of generous givers, who, people who sacrifice, who, who are generous in their giving. And so I'm grateful for you. There are several ways you can give today. You, you can give online at hopefamily.tv or connectedhope.com. Either one of those will take you to the right place. You can text the word GIVE to 903-300-1994. You can drop it at the offering station on your way out this morning, or you can mail it in. We have many that do that at Hope Family Fellowship, P.O. Box 933, Sulphur Springs, Texas, 75483. Again, if you need to designate missions, chase the lion, uh, mark that on the offering envelope in the memo or check and select the appropriate drop-down menu for giving online. I've got, in, in just a couple of weeks, I'm going to have some exciting news for you as it relates to missions, and uh, I, I can't wait to share that. So you'll have to come on July 4th because I'll, I'll be sharing that that day. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be exciting uh, for us. Again, thank you for your faithfulness in giving uh, today. Let me pray a prayer blessing over you uh, as you leave today. I pray that you have an incredible week, that God would minister to your heart, and that you would think about what we talked about today, that we're chosen, we're adopted, we are God's, we have an inheritance, we are sealed by the Holy Spirit, that there are blessings of the Father, there's blessings of the Son, there's blessings of the Trinity, and so I want to pray a prayer blessing over you today. Father, thank you for your church. I pray, Lord, that you would bless them and keep them that you would make your face shine down upon them and be gracious to them, and that you would give them peace. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. amen. God bless you today.